Right now, I want you to watch a brief video that points out the danger of not going to church. Let's watch. When you skip church to watch Lucha Libre, you wear a sombrero around the house. When you wear a sombrero around the house, you upset your wife. When you upset your wife, you sleep on the couch with your sombrero. When you sleep on the couch with your sombrero, you throw your back out. When you walk down the street with your back out while wearing your sombrero, people think you're crazy. When people think you're crazy, they lock you up in a padded room. Don't get locked up in a padded room with a sombrero. Go to church. Last week at the conclusion of the message, there was another video that really outlined some reasons that people don't go to church. And so today, I want to give you a very compelling reason to go to church. And here is that reason. Because the church is a place where you can find hope. Who needs hope? Well, here are some of the faces of people who need hope. The teenager who feels lonely and confused and wonders where her life is headed. The woman who's tried again and again to break free from her anxiety but continues to lose the battle. The soldier who is far from home and has serious doubts about the cause he is fighting for. The patient who reads the doctor's eyes as he begins to share the test results. Who needs hope? The man who struggles with sexual temptation but finds himself staring at his computer screen in the middle of the night. The parent who sees their child drifting further and further from God and the truth they try to teach them. Who needs hope? The dad who worries about losing his job and how he's going to take care of his family without an income. Who needs hope? We all do. Whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning or someone who is struggling with doubts about the Christian faith, somebody who's maybe just trying to figure out what you believe, I am so glad you're here because the simple truth is we all need hope. Today we're continuing our series called We Are the Church. And it's based on a letter that a man named Paul wrote a long time ago in the first century to believers in the city of Ephesus. This is the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. And if you're using one of the Bibles that we provided for you, the verses we're going to look at this morning are found on page 947. We're going to start today with verse 15, and this is what Paul writes to Christians in the city of Ephesus. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And Paul goes on and he says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and here's the reason, so that you may know him better. Now here's the verse we're going to focus on this morning. It's a prayer that Paul prays. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Now it's clear from this verse that God has called us to live with hope. But what is hope? We often use the word hope in certain ways. We say things like, I I hope this is a good movie. I hope my baby sleeps through the night. I hope we have spaghetti for dinner tonight. 
It's actually a subliminal message for my wife this morning. But when we use the word hope in that way, it really often is no more than wishful thinking. But the Bible uses the word hope in a very different way. Look at this verse from Psalm 119. You, God, are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope where? In your word. According to this verse, our hope is based on our belief that God is going to keep his word. Now look at this definition of hope. This is a definition that I've used many times as I've talked about hope. And I think it's so important. Hope is the confident expectation that God will do what he has promised. Hope is our confident expectation that God's going to do what he's promised. You see, the foundation of hope is believing that God can be trusted to do exactly what he says he will do. Now here Paul is praying for Christians to see the hope to which they have been called. And it's interesting that the word for church in the New Testament means the called out ones. If you're a Christian, God has called you to be a part of his family. He's called you to take part in his mission. And this calling is a source of hope. And that brings us to this next question on your outline. What is your calling? What is your calling in life? If you're a Christian, note this. Your primary calling is to follow Jesus. Look at this verse from Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and what? What are those next two words? Follow me. Your primary calling is to follow Jesus. Now last week, we talked about how important it is to base our identity on our relationship with Jesus. Because if you base your identity on your job or on your looks or your talent or even on relationships with other people, you can lose those things. But if you're a follower of Christ, you can never lose your relationship with Jesus. And I think that's what Paul is getting at here. He says, I want you to understand the hope of your calling. Because when Jesus calls you, he is never going to leave you. He's never going to bail on you. There's a song that we sing and it has these lyrics. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. And because of that, we can live with hope. Now here's something else you need to know about your calling Your primary calling is to follow Jesus and your secondary calling is to carry out your ministry assignment in God's kingdom. To carry out your ministry assignment in God's kingdom. Now think about Paul. He's often called the Apostle Paul. The word apostle means somebody sent out by God to complete a mission. Now Paul has a primary calling on his life to follow Jesus. He also has a secondary calling It's his ministry assignment in God's kingdom. And that assignment is to take this good news about Jesus to people who are not Jews, to the Gentile nations. And Paul talks about this in Acts 20. He says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete, and notice this phrase, the task, the assignment the Lord Jesus has given me, the assignment or task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, as a Christian... I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. My primary calling is to do exactly that, to follow Jesus. That will never change. But I also have a secondary calling. And my secondary calling, my ministry assignment in the kingdom, is to be your pastor. And you see, this is how it works for every believer. You have a primary calling to follow Jesus, and you have a secondary calling. That's your place of service in God's kingdom. And just looking out this morning, I can see many of you who have a role here in our church family you're serving. It could be in children's ministry. It could be in youth ministry. It could be as an elder or a deacon. It could be as a small group leader. 
Uh, could be a greeter. Could be somebody who's training to be a Stephen minister. There's all these opportunities and ministry assignments that God gives us in his kingdom. And during the course of your life, your secondary calling can change. God can give you a new ministry assignment in his kingdom. So, be careful not to base your identity on your ministry assignment, which can change, but on your relationship with Jesus that never changes. And that brings us to this next question on your outline. Why should a Christian always have hope? Why should a follower of Jesus always, always have hope? And here's what I want you to see. The call to follow Jesus is a call to live with hope. Think about this. When Jesus begins his mission here on earth, he starts to assemble a group of followers. And there's a story that many of you know where Jesus goes to two fishermen, Peter and Andrew, and he says, hey, I want you to leave your nets and your boats. I want you to follow me because I'm going to do what? I'm going to make you fishers of men and women and boys and girls. And then Jesus approaches this tax collector named Matthew, and he's sitting at his tax collection booth, and he says, hey, Matthew, I want you to follow me. And what does he do? He gets up and he follows Jesus. And if you're a Christian this morning, it's because Jesus has said those same two words to you. Follow me. And you responded and you said, Lord, I want to do that. I want to follow you. And here's what I want you to see. That decision to follow Jesus is a call from Jesus that gives you hope. Now, why is that the case? Let me give you what I believe are some very compelling reasons that we always ought to live with hope as followers of Christ. First of all, and this is on your outline, your calling gives you hope because as a member of God's family, you have inherited God's promises. As a member of God's family, you've inherited God's promises. How many of you saw the rainbow this morning coming to church? If you were up early, you saw the rainbow. Um, We were driving about 7.30 this morning. It was actually a double rainbow. And it was just really striking. And my wife Chris and I were, were talking about the fact that that rainbow has a story. And many of you know the story behind the rainbow. It was a promise that God gave to Noah. After the flood, he said, Noah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter into a covenant with you. And I promise that I will never destroy the earth with a flood. And there's going to be regular seasons. And I'm going to take care of your family. And throughout the Bible, we read about these covenants. There's a covenant with Abraham. We talked about that during the baptism time. And a covenant with David. And these covenants are times that God, he pledges himself to his people through promises. And this is what I want you to see. If you're a Christian, you have inherited all of these covenant promises as a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul makes a very dramatic statement. This is in Ephesians chapter 2. And he says this, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. He's talking to believers And he says, remember the past, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. And Paul's point is clear. Listen, if you have Jesus, you have hope. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have hope in this world. Well, why is it that you have hope if you have Jesus? Because you have inherited God's promises. And I think about the promises. There are hundreds of promises that God makes to us In this book that we call the Bible, God says, listen, I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to provide for you. The list of promises goes on and on. But here's the question, church. How well do you know God's promises? You can't claim a promise unless you know that it's there. And realize this. Some of God's promises are completely unconditional. Here's an example. God says, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you no matter what. 
And here's the reality. Can, can you do anything that will make God love you any more than he loves you right now? No. Can you do anything that's going to make God love you any less? No, because his love is unconditional. But there are promises. In fact, many of the promises in the scriptures are conditional. We have to do something in order for God to fulfill his promise. Let me give you an example. There's a well-known verse in the book of 2 Chronicles. And as I say it, you'll probably recognize it. God says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. It's an if-then statement. If we do this, then God's promised to do that. Let me ask you this. How many of you need wisdom this week in your life? We all do. And God says, okay, here's the promise, all right? If you come to me and ask for wisdom, believing that I'll really give it to you, then I will. So that's really a conditional promise. We have a part to play in seeing that promise fulfilled. Here's another. This is from 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But what do we have to do? We have to confess. And so, church, it's really important to understand that these promises are a source of hope in our lives. And let me give you another reason that Christians should always have hope. This is on your outline. Your calling gives you hope because God's always at work in your life. Always at work in your life. Now, sometimes you see God's work in your life. Sometimes you look back and see it in hindsight. Sometimes we are clueless, but God is always at work. Sometimes we don't even believe that God's at work, but he is in the lives of his children. Now, let me show you a verse. Many of you know this verse. It's Romans 8, 28. But notice the connection here. It says, we know that in all things, God, and what's the next word? He works for the good of those who love him, who have been, and what's that word? Called according to his purpose. A few days ago, I was talking with somebody in our church family who's going through a really rough time. And I really thanked him for his honesty. He was saying, you know, I'm getting really discouraged and depressed and I'm not sleeping at night and I've lost weight and, and I'm starting to lose hope that things will ever change or that I'm ever going to feel any different. And as we talked about that, I shared a quote with him from Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson said this, despair is a sin because it denies the sovereignty of God. Now think about that. Despair is a sin because it denies the sovereignty of God. Some of us here this morning are, are prone to discouragement. Some of us are prone to depression. Some of you this morning love people who have those inclinations. Sometimes that just runs in families. And there is this this downward cycle where you get discouraged and then you get depressed and then you just fall into despair and you feel like there's no way out of this situation. There is no hope for me. Now, now church, I want you to know that you know, depression is a really significant issue and its treatment is often very complicated and certainly beyond the scope of this message. But God does not want his children ever to live in despair. And here's why. Because God is sovereign. Because whether we see it or not, whether we believe it or not, God is at work, not just in this world, but God is at work in your life, and God is at work in my life, and he is at work in the, listen, if you're a parent, and you have kids that you're worried about, and those kids belong to God, he's at work in their lives. 
He is at work in their lives. And God always finishes what he starts. He always completes his purpose in us. And he uses everything to do that. And when you really believe that, it will fill your heart with hope. Let me give you one more reason a Christian should always live with hope. Your calling gives you hope. This is on your outline. Because no matter how hard life may be today, you can be sure of a better tomorrow. No matter how hard life is today, you can be sure a better tomorrow is coming. Listen to this story. A retired man who volunteered to entertain patients in nursing homes and hospitals went to one local hospital in Brooklyn and took his portable keyboard along. He told some jokes and sang some funny songs at patients' bedsides. When he finished, he said in farewell, I hope you get better. One elderly man replied, I hope you get better too. Deep inside the human heart is this desire for things to get better. So why should we believe that someday they will? And here's the answer, because God says so. Let me show you this really encouraging verse. It's from 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, and the God of all grace, and notice this phrase, who called you, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I saw a poster this week, and it had the word HOPE, H-O-P-E, and here's what that acronym stands for. Hold on, pain ends. An encouraging thought, isn't it? And that was the message that, that Peter was conveying to believers in the first century. Hold on, pain ends. God says so. Now, I want to turn a corner now and consider one final question. And here it is. What difference does it make when our hearts are filled with hope? You can know what hope is. You can know the reasons that you should have hope. But what difference does it make when hope actually fills your heart? What difference does it make in your life? Well, first of all, and this is on your outline, the hope of our calling leads to gratitude and praise. It leads to gratitude and praise. Look at this verse. It says, but you... And let's personalize this. But you, Boynton Beach Community Church, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, notice this, belonging to God. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you, who called you out of what? Out of darkness into his wonderful light. How many of you were ever afraid of the dark as a child? How many of you are still afraid of the dark? Jesus says, listen, if you're not following me, you are living in darkness. And think about what that's like. When it's totally, totally dark, you can't see who you are. You can't see where you are. You can't see where you need to go or how to get there. That is a hopeless and helpless feeling, isn't it? And that's why Paul says, listen, I pray that God will open the eyes of your heart, that your heart will be flooded with light so you will know the hope to which God has called you. Now, why is that? Because if we don't know Jesus, we are living where? In the darkness. Now, here at our church, we we often talk about the bad news and the good news. And think about this. The bad news is all about what? Darkness. Isn't that true? What's the good news about? It's about light and moving from darkness into God's marvelous, wonderful, incredible light. And that really is the story of every single person who's become a follower of Jesus Christ. We are born into this world with a heart that pulls us away from God's purpose and God's plan for our lives. And in that sense, we're living in darkness. 
And we break God's commands. God said, look, I want you to love me with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. We don't do that. God says, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. We don't do that either. And our failure to live according to God's commands is called sin. And here's what sin does. It separates us from a holy God. We're in the darkness. He's in the light. And our sin also means that because God is just, he can't just look the other way. He has to punish our sin. And if you think about it, when you're in that darkness, there's good reason to give up hope unless God intervenes. Because we have no future. God says, unless something happens, we're going to spend eternity apart from him. And there is a certain despair in the darkness. The word in the Bible for despair literally means this, to be without a way. No way out of your circumstance. No way for things to change. No way to find hope. No way to find healing. And into this darkness that says there's no way, Jesus Christ comes and said, hey, I'm the way. I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that is the story of redemption, that God the Father sends God the Son to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus lives a perfect life. And then he lays down his life on a cross. And church, every time that I have the opportunity to talk about the gospel, I get excited because it's the center out of which I live. It's the center out of which we all live. Because do you remember what happens when Jesus is on the cross? There's darkness that comes over the entire land. It lasts for three hours. That's because God the Father has now turned away his face from his son. Because God has done this. God has put your sin and my sin on Jesus. He is punishing Jesus in our place. And Jesus, according to the scripture, is crushed for our sin. And so he dies. And because God accepts the payment of his son's life for us, he raises him to life. And Jesus says, hey, hey, come out of the dark. I want you to walk in the light. In fact, one of my favorite Bible verses is John 8, 12, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so every single Sunday morning that we come to this place, we sing. And what are we singing about? The fact that God has taken us from the darkness to where? to light. So listen, when you have that hope in your heart, you can't help but sing and praise God. Now here's another result of having hope in your heart. This is on your outline. The hope of our calling gives us an opportunity to tell others about Jesus. When you have that much hope in your heart, you just can't keep it to yourself. There was a Peanuts cartoon and Lucy says this to Charlie Brown. I would have made a great evangelist. Charlie Brown answers, is that so? Lucy says, yes, I convinced that boy in front of me in school that my religion is better than his religion. Charlie Brown asks, well, how did you do that? And Lucy answers, I hit him over the head with my lunchbox. There are people who try to convince others that they should follow Jesus by hitting them over the head with their religion. But what does the scripture say? Look at this verse from 1 Peter. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the what? For the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Now, here's one more result of having hope. This is on your outline. The hope of our calling makes us responsible to help people in practical ways in order to bring hope to their lives. To help people in practical ways in order to bring hope to their lives. You know, sometimes you can bring hope to somebody's life just by the words that you speak to them. 
Some of you were encouraged this week because somebody who cares about you said a word of encouragement and it gave you hope that things could change or that you could get through it. Isn't that true? And we can do that for each other. Sometimes the way that that hope comes through other people is they actually come alongside us and say, you know what, Um, do you need some help financially? Because I could could help you in this situation. I remember reading a book, it's called The Whole Inner Gospel, and here's a quote from that book. It's actually a little dialogue that takes place. Sometimes I would like to ask God why he allows poverty, suffering, and injustice when he could do something about it. Well, why don't you ask him? Because I'm afraid that he would ask me the same question. You know, sometimes we really don't see the needs that are around us. And we need to ask God to open our eyes because, listen, there's needs. People have needs who live across the street, who live across the tracks, who live across the ocean. And when people's needs continue to go unmet day after day, they can begin to lose hope. So here's the the question, church. What does God expect us to do about it? Look at this verse from 1 John. It says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show it. Let's show the truth by our what? By our actions. Looking back over the the years here at, at Boynton Beach Community Church, I'm really thankful for all the ways that our church has tried to really take this verse and put it into practice. For years, we've had a benevolence fund that meets the needs of members in very practical ways. I know that many of you have benefited from that. Every Saturday for, I guess it's the last seven or eight years, the Burrito Project has provided food for people who were homeless and displaced in our community. We've had our Stop Hunger Project going on for quite some time now. I think about the hundreds of families who have had food and had hope restored because of the generosity of our church. I think about all the missions trips that have taken place. I mean, we've had so many trips with our middle schoolers and high schoolers to different parts of our our country, different parts of our state. I remember one particular trip that I was on a few years ago in Haiti. This was after the earthquake. And we had a team from our church. We were building a house for a pastor who has five children, for this pastor and his wife. And I remember looking into his eyes, and day by day you could see the hope being rekindled in his heart. And I think about the experience. We had a missions team that went to Honduras um, several times. We've been there working on an orphanage and looking into the eyes of these teenagers who have been rescued because now they have a, a home. They have a family. They have hope. And church, I'm just so thankful for all the ways that we've been able to reach out But I know this, going forward, God's going to give us so many more opportunities and he wants us to be on the lookout for how we can bring hope to other people in practical ways. Because here's the deal, when God blesses you, when God blesses us, he expects us to be a blessing to others. And part of that blessing that we give others is the blessing of hope that is found in Jesus. Let me close with this story. I was walking through the streets of Hong Kong and came upon a tattoo studio. In the window, I could see samples of the different tattoos that were available, mermaids, dragons, flags, all kinds of artwork. But there was one particular tattoo that caught my eye. It was three words, born to lose. I entered the shop, 
pointed to those words and asked the Chinese tattoo artist, does anybody really have that terrible phrase, born to lose tattooed on their body? He replied, yeah, sometimes. But I said, I just can't believe that anybody would do that. The Chinese man simply tapped his forehead and said in broken English, before tattoo on body, tattoo on mind. When it comes to who you are, what's tattooed on your mind? I want you to know this morning that you're not born to lose because God really loves you and he wants you to be a part of his forever family. And if you're a Christian this morning, I hope this is tattooed on your mind. Born again. Born again to win. Because if you're a Christian, you share in the victory of Jesus Christ. You share in his mission. He has given you purpose and meaning for your life. And church, this is my prayer for each one of you this morning. That God will open the eyes of your heart so that you can see the hope to which he has called you. Let's pray. Father, I am so incredibly thankful for your truth that changes everything. And Lord, I thank you for Paul's prayer that you would open our eyes so that we could see the hope of our calling. God, for every believer who is here, regardless of what's happening in their life, I pray that they would be filled with hope this morning because you are at work in us and through us and you never, ever stop working. You use everything to accomplish your purpose. And Lord, for the person who maybe for the very first time has understood that they are not a follower of Christ, they have never made a conscious decision to give their life to Jesus and follow him, I pray that today they would do that. That here and now they would simply have a conversation with you and say, God, I need hope. I need Jesus. And God, I know that I've, I've done wrong things. I've sinned. I've made a mess of a lot of things in my life and I'm sorry and I, I want you to forgive me. God, I uh, believe that Jesus died for me, that he rose from the dead and I want to follow him today. And if you're here this morning, if you say that to God, if you mean it, he's going to call you out of the darkness into his light and give you a new life. God, thank you that Jesus said we must be born again. And Lord, for some of us, that was an experience that happened a long time ago. But I pray this morning, we would remember what it's like to be in the dark so that we will be so thankful that now we have been transferred into the light through faith in Jesus. And Lord, as we listen to this last song, may we remember the beauty of being born again. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.